future is now. Uh, welcome everyone, Cheryl Cran here, Next Mapping, and I have a phenomenal guest with me here today. His name is Ross Thornley. He's the CEO and co-founder of AQAI, Adaptability Assessments and Coaching. He's an entrepreneur and founder of six companies, from branding agency to innovation consultancy, product design, manufacture, and nanotechnology businesses. Uh, he's a Singularity University EP graduate, an Abundance 360 and Strategic Coach Free Zone Frontier member, and he's purpose-driven, experimental, relentlessly curious and open-minded, an inquisitive and tenacious learner, driving inspiring visions for an abundant future, leveraging exponential technologies to unite, inspire, and accelerate the best of all of humanity. And wow, that's a uh, moonshot statement if I ever heard one. So welcome, Ross. Really pleased Thank to be you. talking with you. It, it sure is. I still smile. You know, my mum uh, says to me, I still don't quite know what you do. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. So to that point, tell our listeners exactly how uh, you, you, what your business does and how you help people. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, you know, over the last 25 years, nearly as an entrepreneur, you look for opportunities and often you, you start doing that where you get a bit of applause. You know, you do something and someone says, thank you. So you do it again. Yes. Um, and often Positive that builds, reinforcement. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and you build a business around that. And then you reach a point at which you say, why am I doing this? You know, what, what is it that I want to leave behind and how do I want to show up? And I think that moment happened for me and it's what's manifested into the business that I'm now spending most of my time in, which is AQAI. Mm -hmm. And that really is just, it's about human beings and being, a, you know, you went to Singularity University, I think in the, the same year as me of, of 2017, and you get this exposure to exponential technologies and you think, oh, wow, isn't this wonderful? You know, quantum computing, 3D manufacture, yeah. you know, all, all of these things. Oh, we can solve everything. But the biggest challenge is humans and how we think, how we deploy and direct that, and ultimately how we adapt to change and that change is accelerating. We're seeing that right now. So the business is supporting that, preparing the future of work for a very different work uh, and doing it in a humane way to make sure no one's left behind. Uh, and I think that's a, the key difference. So understanding how people adapt to change and preparing them to do that continually in a sustained manner that brings smiles, not sharp objects. And how do you do that? So we, we do that initially by an assessment. If you want to improve anything, you have to measure it first, right? So we went about over the last couple of years researching how do you assess adaptability or even what is it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. And we build a model uh, which is an acronym of ACE. So that's for ability, character and environment. So ability is how and to what degree do I adapt? So those are dimensions and things like grit, mental flexibility, our mindset, our resilience, those kind of um, abilities. And then the C, which is character, is who adapts and why. Often a lot of assessments, personality of assessments, have been focusing on character traits. Uh, we actually believe it's not fixed. Um, your character and personality can evolve and change, not over long periods of time. It can even change how I speak to my you know, children versus in a business context, part of my character and personality shifts. So that's things like our emotional range, specifically in adaptability, things like hope, 
you've got to have hope and optimism and how do we measure these things so that we can bring them forward to, to do it positively. And the final one that's, I think, probably one of the most profound and most important is the environment. So when does someone adapt and to what degree? So emotional health, company support, work environment. So we've seen, uh, you know, I'm not sure between the recording and when this will go out, but we're right in the midst of uh, COVID-19. And this is an environmental shift that's now um, asking humanity and everyone who's working to perhaps work differently than they have before. So we're measuring all of those factors and then being able to do some nice predictive analysis with AI from the data sets to look at change readiness and reskill index of individuals and then teams and as an organization. So ultimately, you then have a language for conversation and you can start to build then the interventions to improve these areas. Excellent. Excellent. So um, it actually, there's a lot of synergy between what you do and what we do at Next Mapping. And I actually took your assessment after we were together on the Hacking HR platform, which I would like to talk about next. Uh, and I really loved the, um, the interface of it. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it felt like you were engaging with a person, even though you know you're not. So that, that was well done and very unique compared to a lot of the assessments that are out there. And I also like that your assessment focuses on individual adaptability and that the environment is a key component of that because I think that's where companies now... I think in the past, in our in our experience, it's been about expecting the employee to adapt to the environment. And what we're seeing, as you and I know, is that people adapt to environments that are set, you said it beautifully, positive reinforcement. Yeah. So if, if the environment supports the goals, then we're giving them the ability to adapt even more quickly versus the old school thinking of, well, they, they work here, so they've got to learn how to adapt. It's like, well, wait a second, yes, and there's mutual accountability here on the part of the work environment. So I really like that, yeah. Thank you. I think, you know, it was an intentional choice for us that there's often a, you know, survey fatigue. Yes. And whilst we want to understand ourselves, you know, the pursuit of understanding each other and the person next to us so that we can achieve harmonious collaboration for a mission and goal that is worthy, I think the challenge and why we chose to do it in a conversational chatbot, we're still at early stages. We want it to feel very much like we are now. We're having a conversation. And if I'm an expert in adaptability, I'd be able to ask the right questions and figure out the mechanics of how you adapt. What's your motivation style? Are you playing to, you know, uh, for security, not to lose. So therefore, my communications to you might be very different to if your motive, you know, what makes you change is you play to win. Right. So the same outcome, I want you to change, but a slight difference in personal message will invoke that um, desired outcome. And so it is definitely a responsibility of, of a number of things, our environment as a company, but also the people around us we have an adaptability wake. I might be super adaptable, but put me in an environment where there's four other individuals that aren't, Yes, that will have a osmosis aura around it because there's no opportunity for experimentation. There's no celebration of failure. And suddenly my adaptability curtails to the, you know, some of the parts around it. So it's a complex piece, um, but I feel it's one of the most important superpowers for humanity, especially right now. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it's very timely. Adaptability is, is kind of, you know, back to that statement, adapt or die. We're actually living that now, uh, you know, from a, 
uh, a business standpoint, from a behavioral standpoint, absolutely. And just to answer your response, or your question about timing, we actually publish these quite quickly. So it will be in the midst of the COVID-19. Wow. And I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing your perspective on this and, and our discussion and our dialogue. Um, so we were on the panel for Hacking HR, and you were a sponsor. And um, you know, I talked to Enrique Rubio, who created that conference, and you know, we did a debrief. He said it was highly successful online conference. It was before this whole COVID nineteen, and so it was again another example of having a highly successful uh, model for gathering online to share information to help support other people be successful. Um, what do you think? will have learned on the other side of COVID-19 um, and this global pandemic that we're going on. I, I have some very strong opinions, but I'd love to hear yours and then maybe we can, we can explore that. And I think yeah. people listening um, yeah. are going to be very, um, I just want to preface this to say that people listening are, are going to, we're going to stretch your thoughts on this because it's not the standard seeing it as face value, right? There's a lot going on here, but I'd love to get your perspective. On yeah. I think, on the other side. you know, the reality of this happening at such exponential and global scale. And what I mean by that is it's not limited to a country or an industry um, or to a demographic. This is touching every part of humanity from young to old, from you know people who make their money by going and cleaning houses or masseuse parlors or you know restaurants where you know their business model is going to be affected, let alone companies that have offices and work computer based that can say, ah, let's work from home. And there's a big difference between working from home and working remotely. And this is, I believe, a gift to help us innovate, to stimulate the change that we will need and require to show up in the future of work uh, of those things. And whilst, yes, there are going to be some casualties, both in, in life and identity and work, you know, just this morning here in the UK, we had the announcement of um, the Carphone Warehouse uh, are closing. There's 3,000 jobs. You know, a few days ago was Fly B. You know, there's going to be lots of these. We've seen them in the past and they're going to accelerate. So in answer to your question of what, what, will, be, what will we have learnt on the other side of it, I think we'll have learnt how resilient we can be, mm-hmm. how we can adapt. So we'll gain confidence that we can Uh, support each other, that we can work in a different way. But I think on the other side, we'll also then decide what we don't like. So just because something is possible, can work from home, or we can work remotely as an example, we might decide, oh, that's great for productivity. Oh, and it's possible. Oh, and we've learned how to shift from having an avatar relationship via Zoom and things um, to improving that. I feel we'll learn we actually like being in social groups and, you know, there'll be some element of a desire to, well, just because it, it's possible to work remotely and home in silos, lots of people will realize I choose to work in teams and around other people. And so there'll be this balance, I think, of uh, we've learned that whilst we could, uh, we'll ask then the question of should. Uh, so I think it will open up a couple of dynamics that um, allows us to work with talent on a global basis rather than a centralized geographical location. Yeah. Um, and that we can, you know, choose how we work that's reinvented rather than just because it was the way we did it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think before we started recording, I said to you, and I feel like, you know, um, and, and people listening, please hear this in the spirit of both Ross and I are very pragmatic and, and being very um, uh, acknowledging of the severity of what we're dealing with here. So I want to preface what I'm about to say with that. Um, at the same time, if we look at this and take a step back, it, it really is Mother Nature calling a timeout and asking all of us to pause and to refocus. And to your point, Ross, you know, we're all human beings. How do we be a better human? How do we be better humans on the planet? How do we do business with more humanity? I feel that we're being asked to answer these really big questions. And I think uh, I, ha I made a comment um, on one of my blogs recently that one of the things I think we'll have learned is how to deal with large scale health issues in the future. I think healthcare is gonna revolutionize. I think the fact that we're already experiencing facial recognition in airports and such, I think the feature, it's gonna be like the minority report where you're gonna walk through a public place and it's gonna screen you to see if you have a fever or if you've got any signs of an infection. I think we're like, cause you know with AI, we're there now, but yep. now the exponential acceleration of that technology to keep ourselves safe because you can't prevent humans from human to human getting congregating. We're not going to stop meeting in conferences. We're not going to stop to your point. We want our, we're not just machines that can talk remotely for the rest of our existence. We yeah. are humans with hearts and emotions and feelings who get energy from congregating and being with other people. So um, I think that, you know, you, your comments are absolutely spot on. And for anybody listening, if this has irritated you, good. You know, um, you know, get a hold of Ross, get a hold of me, you know, social media it, because I think we need to look beyond the micro here and really look at the macro. What's the bigger impact? I think it's, it's a challenge when we're in the moment, when they're in, we're in the moment of distress. Um, all that we see is that stress. Yeah. So if our identity of who we are is wrapped up in the role that we uh, deliver at work and that that now the lifespan of that role might be shortened because you yeah. or the company cannot deal with that shift and change. Once we've got the ability, and I hope that everybody can survive and that chooses to, because I do believe it is a choice, to be able to perhaps for some be forced to let go of what they did before and use this opportunity to embrace learning something new. What is the next chapter? What is your next? career going to be. And I see this as across the board. This isn't about a generational thing. Yeah. Um, that to choose to have another chapter in your life is because we're curious and because we, you know, if we have the gift of being able to read or learn, then we can provide value in a new way tomorrow. And so that essence for me in all of these things is that to build the resilience. So we'll come out showing how resilient we are. Some great videos going around of, you know, Spain and Italy where we're yes. in isolation, but they're singing from balconies, I know. you know, awesome. what yeah. resilience that is to those that are healthy saying, how do we show up and do meal deliveries for those that are vulnerable? Um, and the number one thing I think that is so important in these moments is a character piece about hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. Um, that I believe this will give rise to the best of humanity. And one last thing that I, I, um, I hope it will show us and will come out the other side of is less s s restriction on border. Mm -hmm. 
And I see this from a funny place rather than, ah, we've got to close our borders because we need to protect ourselves and no flights, all of these things. But yet we're then seeing a global crisis of donations from China of testing kits to America, donations of, you know, face masks of South Korea traveling to um, Iran and Italy as the, you know, medical specialist, because there's no borders. If they've learned something and they can show that expertise somewhere else, it's one planet. So I think this perverse situation of whilst we're hunkering down Mm -hmm. to protect, I think it will give, I hope, a birth for a more global and borderless economy and humanity. I agree with you. I mean, the, the the border discussion or the border reality is a, you know, from using, referring to Ken Wilber's model, you know, of, of evolutionary, you know, it really is that red zone and where we're entering into is the teal zone, which is quite a jump, but that's a whole other thing that we could talk about on a separate interview. Um, my next question to you is, you know, how do you think AI is going to help businesses scale their one-on-one conversations? I, I know when we did the hacking HR, you talked yep. about that. So I think our listeners would really love to hear how are you seeing AI impact the future? Yeah, so I, I see this and I'd like to uh, maybe use this opportunity to flip from the assessment part because, of course, we've built an assessment with AI to get data to get better and better and better at predicting how people will behave in the future, which is a great use of AI because it can use pattern analysis. It can start to understand intentionality within language understanding and those sorts of things. But I want to flip it to the challenge of scaling knowledge Mm -hmm. and training and coaching. Mm -hmm. So the historical model is that we will have a centralized place of that knowledge. And that might be in somebody who's been trained and educated in that. So there'll be a professor or a coach or a trainer. And what will happen is if we can afford or if we're in the location within their vicinity, we can get the one-to-one interaction with them. Uh, Lower down, we might then get one-to-many. So it might be in a room, leadership teams or, um, you know, a mass conference or event. But we can't have that personal relationship to interrogate it of what does it mean for me? This is my situation. I want your knowledge to apply to my situation to improve either my knowledge or my understanding or how I act or behave tomorrow. And that model doesn't work as you scale it out. And what we've done in the past is we've gone, ah, digitize it. That's a way of scaling something. So we've created e-learning modules and all of these types of uh, systems to scale coaching and training and knowledge transfer. But it's still very passive. That central bit of information you engage with, you might do it in micro-learning that, oh, I want a five-minute or a two-minute piece, and then I'll have a few tests. But I can't speak to you, Cheryl, of, ah, I'm, I'm not understanding that. Uh, can I ask, can you tell me in a slightly different way? Or can you tell me a different story? Ah, oh, now the penny's dropped. Mm-hmm. I think what AI has the opportunity to do within the next you know, three to five years is make a digital twin of knowledge experts so that you can then scale the interactions of personal communication with a knowledge expert uh, that's truly interactive. And I think that will be groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I believe it will then allow access for minorities and every other part of the organization that perhaps doesn't get exposure to the best of that knowledge to be able to get it. They can level up. And I see this not as replacing those knowledge experts, but augmenting them so that 
uh, it will do a lot of the heavy lifting, it will gain further reach, and that you can have that interaction question with the digital version of that human's knowledge. Yeah, and then yeah. if you want to go even deeper, you can choose to engage with the real human. Right. Uh, and I think that will be another nuanced level uh, of those things. So I think AI has an opportunity to do that at scale of one-to-one micro-learning in the moment that's personalized and truly interactive. And I think, I think that that's will be valid. I think that's very exciting because, you know, as co, you know, co-people in the world of future and, and all those things that we do, um, it, it's the future is about upskilling and reskilling and accessible yeah. learning. So I think you can only do it in the way that you're describing. And I love that you guys are on the, on the leading edge of that. What are some of the other strategies in addition to your assessments that you help your clients do to be, you know, on the forefront or future ready or, or the things that you do? Yeah. I think it's an interesting term, this, you know, future of work and future ready. The future is in five minutes time. You know, it's tomorrow. It's in a year. It's in all of those things. And what we're trying to do is for us, give a language that whatever goes on, whatever happens, you're able to deal with that rather than try and pinpoint this is going to happen here. So you need to train this. We need more coders. So we send everybody to learn coding because that's the skill and we need to upskill them in it. What happens at the point when we don't need human coders because technology does that? I just have a conversation and I go, hey, you know, Google, hey, Alexa, I want this. And I'll describe what I want. It will program it for me. That's essentially what we're doing with a human being is saying, here's our scope. Here's our, you know, brief. Now go and do it. Mm -hmm. So I think there will be lots of things that this term of future ready of what I'm seeing. So what I believe it is, is much more fundamentally about a mindset of continual learning and curiosity. So what I'm seeing that clients are dealing with now is rather than, ah, this is just the thing we have to do. And it's a, it's a program, it's an initiative to more it becoming part of the DNA of how an organization runs that's going to be able to su- survive in an exponential world. So I'm seeing, you know, the learning becoming maybe much bigger part of what work is. Yes, agreed. I, I think uh, it's going to be in learning as real-time learning as we... Real-time yeah, learning, yeah, you yeah. know, in the moment. Yeah. You know, I'm deploying my delivery of what I'm asked to do and I have a Jarvis, which is either via an implant or via, you know, some glasses or whatever that is seeing what I'm seeing, able to give me in-the-moment interactions because it senses, oh, my heart rate is increasing. So it'll give me a coaching to say, take a moment and breathe, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, before I'm faced with that difficult customer service challenge, or it's given me some information, like you said, of minority report to be able to predict, ah, I now know more about this person so that I can offer greater value. So I think the strategies are to continually look at experimentation. And so just because that experiment didn't work yesterday is not the reason to not redo it today because the, the landscape and terrain has changed. So every time the landscape and terrain changes, repeat an experiment or try another new one. So I think the strategies around the, the distance between BAU, business as usual, and innovation, I think is going to blur because business as usual will be innovation. Correct. Yeah. It's been concepts up until now, but I completely, I'm on the same page as you. Let's fast forward to 2025. So five years from now, 
what do you think we'll be doing differently than we're doing now? And I think it's timely that we ask that question, given that COVID-19 is, is right. We're right in the midst of it. So, yeah, I think for some people, um, you know, whilst I'm a, somebody who's very optimistic, loves technology, writes about it, like yourself, you know, puts myself in these bubbles. I think for some people, they will see that nothing's changed because they decide to see nothing's changed. Right. So in 2025, what will be a different will be your choice of how you see things. If you go and look to find the things that were always the same, um, then you'll find them. If you look to go and find the fact that ah, I can take an Uber Elevate from LAX to downtown, um, you know, without a pilot, instead of sitting 90 minutes or three hours in traffic, and I can do it in 20 minutes and go, wow, look, we actually have flying cars. Maybe Back to the Future were just a few years out of flying cars and we, we have them. Um, so I think transportation will be radically different within the next five years in pockets of areas. I think brought on by COVID-19, we will have a much better understanding and appetite of remote and gig economy. Yes. Um, and so in five years time, I think we'll have portfolio careers. Um, many people will have multiple um, responsibilities and jobs and roles and that will be embraced rather than feeling ah they're not really that committed to our mission um so i think that will be a big trend and shift to keep it perhaps within uh future of work i think 2025 you know will also be i think there will be a number of companies of course that didn't exist today (laughs) that will exist and one of those i believe will be in education of a, a decentralized education system, not like a Udemy or those things that um, will be huge. And, you know, as a, a fan of Peter Diamandis and his, you know, new book of the future's faster than you think, uh, and all of these areas, how we'll be working, yes, there will be more Zooms, more remote stuff, but just like esports, um, where what on earth are they doing? you know, this community of playing computer games and then getting paid. And then all of a sudden there are Olympic game sized, you know, physical meetups of these things. Once this pandemic's through and I'm confident it will by 2025 uh, is that I think we'll see massive physical gatherings of people around missions uh, and work beyond the measure that we've currently ever seen. Agreed, agreed with you. Do you have access to the series Westworld in the UK? Have you seen yes, that? Did. did you see the first episode? I, I saw the first season. Um, and then uh, the second season, I stopped watching it. But yes, okay. the first so season. So season three just I started. The first first yeah. episode. So season three just started, episode one. Yeah. And the surrealness of it, of the technology we have now and what they show, like it was so... I loved it. I really loved it. I, I thought, okay, this is closer than we're even, so it's no longer minority report in a movie. It's like, we're really minutes away from this. Really. Yeah. We are. Uh, so lastly, before we go, because I'm cognizant of timing, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about uh, what you do, how you yeah. help people, anything that you'd like to leave us with? I think if anyone's curious about adaptability, either as an individual or within their organization and work, is to begin reading about it, 
to um, explore whether that's going on the wiki, whether that's, you know, uh, our site, we've got our, my second book coming out, uh, which is Decoding AQ, talking all about the science and understanding um, of adaptability. And, you know, what I am interested in and what I'd like the listeners to think about is we have a massive mission of leaving no one behind. We aren't going to do that by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we look for mindset and mission aligned collaborations. So whether that's organizations, universities, anyone who is interested in how do we reskill, upskill, how do we prepare, you know, people and organizations for the new operating system required in an exponential world. Mm-hmm. We had a great operating system for you know, the 21st century, looking at productivity, efficiency, lean, all of those things. We now need to look at an operating system that embraces imagination, experimentation, and adaptability. So if any of the listeners are up for conversations about that, that have some unique capabilities to help achieve that mission, I'd be delighted to hear from them. Wonderful. And how do they get a hold of you, Ross? Yeah, so a a good way is, is LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there all the time. Also, our website is aqai.io. Uh, we do have a, the last tale of an early access opportunity for companies to engage with before our sort of full commercial launch of the assessment in the summer. So there might be opportunities to join uh, a number of other organizations. We have RAC, Coca-Cola, you know, some really uh, forward-thinking organizations looking at their adaptability of their workforces and teams. Um, my uh, personal email I'm happy to share, which is ross, R-O-S-S, at um, aqai.io. Wonderful. Well, ross, I really enjoyed our conversation. I think we could have talked much longer uh, because there's so much there and a lot of synergy. And as a fellow Singularity University alumni, I mean, we're just exactly on the same, uh, you know, bandwidth from the same kool-aid that's right that's right yeah thank you so much um and i know my listeners will have gotten a lot of value out of this podcast that's it for this this session and we'll uh talk to you at the next one